If you have listened to the previous episodes of this season of Unscripted Tech, you already know that artificial intelligence is everywhere, even in unexpected aspects of our everyday life. And most experts say we are just scratching the surface of how it will revolutionize our lives. And again, it's a tool. It will help you, it will augment you, it can help you uh, in a lot of ways. But you still need to have that capability of critical thinking around what you are getting out from there and also understanding which are the limitations. But the rise of AI has also generated many questions and concerns about how machines might replace humans in the future. We need to think that there's something so distinctively unique about ourselves that it will not be replaced by a machine. And the point is, I mean, that is a scary thought. Indeed. I don't think it's, it's a very happy thought either way, and I don't think it's very productive. I think the productive way to think about it is, well, what are the parts of the process that I know I have to go through but I don't enjoy? What are the parts that I really want to enjoy? And how do I make sure that I'm still in control of the impact that I have, that I want to have in the world? Like, how do I augment my agency as a person? Artificial intelligence isn't just a buzzword anymore. It's the foundation of the next era of business reinvention. AI is already doing some mind-blowing stuff, like writing interview questions for podcasts and jazzing up audio recordings. It can even mimic my voice. Mi voz. Mia voz. Meine Stimme. Me voix. And that catchy jingle you hear? AI composed it, believe it or not. That's why at Globant, we are going all in on AI, reaching new dimensions to influence every area, industry, and business for the better. Welcome to Unscripted Tech, a Globant original podcast about the trends that are reshaping the technology landscape and how we respond to them. My name is Rebecca Reed, and I'm a digital marketing strategist at Globant. Over the next six episodes, we'll be talking with Globers about how AI is changing the game for companies across all industries. Let's dive into season three of Unscripted Tech. I do believe regulations is critical, but someone needs to start thinking about educating and uh, people from early stages, everyone that is already out there in the in the employment world, I would say, um, how to interact with these these AIs. We should not commit the same mistakes that we did with social networks. Augustine Harta is the global head of AI at Globit. He's based in Buenos Aires, Argentina. How do you make these algorithms get a sense of what the real world looks like? Juan Jose Lopez Murphy, aka JJ, is the global head of artificial intelligence and data science at Globant UK. Today we're going to talk to them about the recent innovations of AI, what changes we should expect in the near future, and the way we should deal with emerging technologies. So to get the ball rolling, what are the coolest things you are seeing in artificial intelligence right now? I would say that the first thing or the cool thing that I'm seeing right now is not so much about AI itself. I mean, we are seeing on evolution things that has been going on uh, for quite some time, but it's rather how we are making it able to be used and interacted by people in a more natural way right now, which is for me more interesting. It's like now everyone is able to grasp but maybe people like me and JJ has been talking for many years that AI will transform us and that it can empower us in many ways and 
and could be a great tool. And maybe in the past it was a great thing that uh, people like us, techies, were able to experience and and see the benefits. Uh, but people is, was not able to to connect there. And what happened to me in the last couple of months is that I started going to have lunch, dinner, and hear people talking about AI in the table right next to me. And that didn't happen in the past. That I would say never in my whole career in technology have ever happened with any kind of technology. Yes. I mean, people may be discussing about the new version of the iPhone or the iPad, but not really about the, the underlying technology. The tech gadget, yes, but not the underlying technologies. And that is, for me, one of the coolest thing about this new wave of AI in particular. I don't know, JJ, your thoughts. So I had to, I, I think I perceive the same thing, but for me, it got a little bit overwhelming. Like, you know, uh, parents or, or families saying, oh, no, I'm worried about this and that. And, you know, the, the doom saying about uh, this will replace us, kill us, or, or make us zombies, which some of that might be right. We'll get to that later. But the point is, it's a, it's a constant level of, it's not kind of white noise, it's not in the background, but it's a constant level of information to process. And that is, is it feels like something we have to manage. And so I, I don't see it as, oh, look, what, how cool is this? But rather, oh no, now we have to clean this up. And that, that, that's what feels overwhelming in that sense, because a lot of people are worried. A lot of people have these magical ideas about what it can do and maybe don't see the pitfalls. Um, so for me, it's, it's much more simpler, which is while probably language models have the highest impact in, in how they are used in the business, in applications and things like that, the most magical things for me are still kind of the image generation models. Because it's like, it, it was, uh, I mean, it was prior to ChatGPT and kind of the, the heightened awareness about everything that we have now, it was, it felt real. It was from one moment to the other, it felt very real that you could live in these kind of landscapes and, and take pictures of that. And everything felt connected. And what I mean by that is there's, there's, there's a background to that, which means the embedding space where maybe concepts are something continuous and there's a, a continuous variation between a dog and a cat and a giraffe and whatever and maybe between a forest and a mountain and a lake and whatever, and there's points in the middle you can interpolate between them. But the the image, I believe, has such an impact on our emotional perception of things that when you see an image that has these, these dreamscapes and it just feels natural, I believe that that impacts on somewhere like very primitive to me. That's really like, wow, this is really cool. I don't know if it's going to sell a lot of money or whatever, but it, this is really cool. I want to play with that. And every little interaction, every iteration about improving that feels magical. Like, well, maybe now people have seen um, through Firefly kind of the, the in-painting and out-painting or whatever. But when that was barely released with Sable Diffusion, it felt so magical. Uh, that, that that was kind of the, the height of point for me. Yeah, maybe... For me, the problem is that I still suck at doing anything that looks like a kind of a drawing. It doesn't matter if it's artificial or if it is done by hand, by me, it's still horrible. 
But it, it is like with music, you know, I like making, making music, but I make horrible music compared to the music I, I like here or whatever. And you see people like on Twitter or whatever creating this, this uh, business content and they're just awesome. They say, I want to do that. I can't because I don't have the skill. So true. It's interesting that you talk about uh, the, the kind of the creative aspects AI. Can you provide any examples of how AI is being used in certain industries to innovate and break boundaries? I, I would go one step back with that, uh, and, and I would say, hey, I, I believe that part of what JJ was just mentioning, for me, it's like we need to redefine or, or understand better what creativity is, really. Um, I've seen many people opposing to these tools in terms of, hey, this is going against creativity and so on. And I've just been into Paris and I've been into the Louvre Museum. And you see the paintings out there and, and you see many things that are like, hey, this style is very similar to this other painter because maybe this one was an, a student of the previous one. So they have similar things. And, and that happens also with these kind of generative AI models, where in the end, uh, the styles they can produce may be mimicking some of other people. But really, it's the combination that you do, that creativity that, that you see out there. I was amazed with a, a particular Instagram account that was trying to create images out from the lyrics of an Argentinian band. And that was really complex because, first of all, it's a band that has a lot of metaphors and even words that are completely invented. They don't exist at all. And the second thing, it was the fact that they were using a model for which you need to provide a prompting in English. So they were trying to communicate these abstract concepts very tied to the culture here in Argentina to a model, translating them into English and obtaining images that really represent or feel that represent those lyrics. Yes. And for me, that is creativity, really. Yes. It's not so much about, hey, how did you end up doing that image? You have been tampering with, I don't know, Photoshop, uh, a drawing, tablet or whatever for hours in order to achieve it, or you have been just so able to translate those concepts to add those layers of creativity on top in order to make that happen. There has been a, even some challenges for organisms like the ones that provide copywriting about this. It's like, hey, I cannot provide you copywriting over your whole uh, creation because I don't know how much uh, human interaction has been in the creation of the images because they come from some of these AI models. And and for me, it's like, hey, this is changing the boundaries uh, as many times technology has done in the past. Uh, and, and I believe that is where uh, the real thing starts happening. Yes, we need to start rethinking a bit more about that in order to avoid seeing AI as a competitor to us, but rather a way to enhance capabilities that many people maybe has and is not able to express in their full uh, potential. I don't know, JJ. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I agree, but I, I think it's even even wider than that. Like, for some reason, uh, 
to this, this stage of AI developments, and this is just the beginning, forces us to rethink a lot of, a lot of what we understand of ourselves as people, as humans, as whatever. And I don't want to go over there philosophically because I know I tend to, but, but I, I'm, I'm thinking about in terms of, well, a lot of the things that we believe that require a lot of expertise to be able to do, maybe there was a part of expertise, but there's a lot of kind of drudgery work and things like that, that these AIs can actually automate. And then we believe, whoa, but then I don't need to be an expert to write this email to my uh, coworkers or whatever. No, yes, the point is the expertise part is a component about how you moderate those efforts, but there's a lot of parts that didn't require the expertise itself. When we talk about creativity, the same thing happens. Maybe I don't have the, I don't know, capability on my wrist to paint something and whatever. Maybe I can think about a concept or something like that. And any tool that helps me implement that can actually empower me. Or if I really derive a lot of pleasure in the act of producing the art, I'm going to feel that it's soulless. But the point is that the creativity is somewhere within that, but it's not in all of that and it's not all of that. And the same thing happens with, with knowledge, creativity, with uh, vision, with sense, with, with all, a lot of things of that. And, and it, it, the point is, let's, let's take a place where this has already happened, like photography, which is one of the kind of parallels that gets used a lot. Like anybody can go and take a picture. But the ones that have an artistic eye, you see it. It says, I don't even know how to define it, but you see it. You see the creativity in what they choose to look at, in how they choose to frame it. There's a lot of technical skill also around getting the colors, getting the the, the image, getting the, the focal, getting the, there's a lot of things about that. Now, we have AI trained on top of those. So we're generating images like piggybacking on the expertise of countless photographers and artists that um, helped us know what kind of looks good. Okay, we got here now. The point is, you, you'll see that most of the AI creations look like AI creations. And every now and then you see one that says, wow, this is really different. And you'll know that there's somebody behind that that actually kind of steered that capability, that pure raw uh, engine into something that makes sense to be produced. Because part of the creativity is in that choosing the objective of, of what you want to produce. And that might be artistic, that might be business, like visionaries, that might be on, on any other kind of domain. Well, I'm sorry, if I can jump in real quick, this is a particularly relevant conversation for me as a content creator. I mean, we're, we're dealing with this all the time now with, with the um, insurgence of ChatGPT. I think people just kind of using that to create content and publishing it as is versus allowing people with that, you know, creativity in copywriting to put their touch to it. So that, I know the example you used was imagery, but that hits real close to home for us um, as far as content creation is concerned. Absolutely. And and uh, there's even, you know, uh, Paul Graham from Y Combinator fame, he was saying like, um, whatever you have to write about, ask ChatGPT to write about it. And so you'll know what is the most the commonly, like the, the, how they call it, the base flag of whatever you could think about it. Because it does angle. And then you can look about, well, what's different? Um, but it's like, this is going to sound weird, but 
I've seen a reference of Nassim Taleb, which is kind of the financier statistical guy, talking about this French uh, literary author that died recently. And he was saying that if the story flows naturally, predictably, then you're a bad writer. It has to surprise you somehow. It has to subvert what you're expecting, what you're reading. And the creativity is in there. In finding what is not there, what is not following that thread and bringing it to life. And, and, and it, it could be story-wise, kind of the events of the story. It could be language-wise. It could be tone-wise. It could be, I don't know. You read several different artists and they all have different rhythms, different expressions, different flavors that if you read something that means ultimately generated, well, maybe there's a way to add those flavors, but it doesn't have the intention unless somebody is working with that to actually imbue that intention. And that's uh, the whole creativity part. Yes. Yes, I agree completely. Now, Beth, we, we will still have to say that uh, something that is very common in this industry, but it could happen anywhere else. You know, the Dunning-Kruger uh, syndrome, like uh, if you don't have enough expertise, you don't realize that you don't know anything about something. Um, that that will get everywhere because, I don't know, people that are not funny think they, they tell the best jokes. People that don't have a visual eye, that you draw perfectly. People that, and this happens everywhere. And so if you have this machine that can enable you to write contents endlessly with just a prompt, they might not even realize how really bland that looks like. They might not realize that it's so commonplace, not realize a lot of the things because you don't develop that, I'm going to say artistic, but what, I'm, what I mean to say is that criteria, that judgment about what is good without going through the motions. A hundred percent. Yes, I, I agree with that. And, and, and we're seeing that for sure. Um, and it's interesting to kind of observe the, the conversations that are taking place amongst uh, creative roles, particularly creative roles that are um, in a, a technology field, in a digital space, and, and seeing how, how people think that they can write, and people think that they are funny, and people think that they can draw exactly what you said. Um, that's, I'm seeing that a lot. Yeah, but then, you know, I, I see it like, you know, there's this problem. I, know, I don't know if it's a problem, but you know, this idea of the participation trophy. Uh, like, yeah, everybody can write, but not everybody writes right. And, and like, yeah, this enables you to just put something out that doesn't mean that it's actually good. And we have to come to gripes with the idea that, hey, not just because we made an effort, it is good. Is it good that we made the effort? It's not necessarily good the outcome, and and kind of accept our limitations in, in some way in that. Uh, but but I, I think that ties a, a lot into this idea, and and we typically discuss it. I was about um, kind of replacing versus augmenting versus complementing the human, and 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 what's the human in that, and what's the kind of the rest of that, and 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 it probably has to do with our fear to be replaced. So we need to think that there's something so distinctively unique about ourselves that it will not be replaced by a machine. And the point is, I mean, that is a scary thought. Uh, I don't think it's, it's a very happy thought either way. I, and I don't think it's very productive. I think the productive way to think about it is, well, what are the parts of the process that I know I have to go through, but I don't enjoy, what are the parts that I really want to enjoy? And how do I make sure that I 
still in control of the impact that I have, that I want to have in the world. Like, how do I augment my agency as a person? Because there's a lot of things about the world that I might not want to do, but I still want to know that. Like, if, if you get on a car and you put the GPS to drive you somewhere and you really don't care about where you're going, you just want to get there fast, yeah, I'll let the algorithm decide. But if you want to go out for a ride because you enjoy the experience of riding, you don't want the GPS. You're still in a car, you're still going somewhere, but whether you own the decision or not changes completely by your intent. And, and that is something we need to, to retain. Well, but in there, something that is also a big challenge on AI is, or I, I, I still believe it's a big challenge, is making those interactions, those augmentations be natural to to the goal that you're trying to achieve. You, you mentioned the GPS. Yes, and, and hey, I want to go from A to B in the fastest way possible. Well, your objective is that. Your KPI is I want to reach that point in the, the, the fastest time possible. Yes. Right now, many of the things that are happening, they don't still um, feel completely natural or are completely embedded into the process that you are doing. ChatGPT, I mean, it's great. It has been widely adopted. Um, you can use it for a lot of things, but it implies a lot of back and forth. Yes, because it's not integrated into anything. Yes. Hey, I want you to help me write an email. I have to explain you everything. I have to give you all the context because otherwise you cannot get the most out of the model. On the other hand, you have Microsoft with this idea of the copilot for everything, which I believe it's very good, but I also believe they are getting it too far. Yes. So, for example, with Copilot itself, within GitHub, yes, I believe it's a very good tool, but it implies as a developer that you develop in a different way that you have been doing and you have been teached to do it. Yes, because you start more about describing what you want to achieve in order for it to generate. Yes, you need to prompt it to generate. While if you are a developer, the intelligence is less intrusive into your into the way you start coding. Hey, I need to create this functionality. Okay, perfect. I will start writing my, I don't know, public class, whatever, in whichever language I prefer, and I just start writing code. While on the other hand, I need to start thinking about, hey, how I will describe what is in here in order to, for it to create. It's a still a bit far away. While the copilot, for example, for uh, uh, Outlook or Word or uh, PowerPoint are more seamless into your experience. Hey, I want this slide to say this, or uh, I have written a lot of content. Hey, make it better. It's improved the language. Make it more formal. Make it more informal. Make it longer. Uh, try to shorten what I have described in here. Make a bullet list. Is more contextual to what you are trying to achieve. And I still believe that with AI, that is something that we need to do in order to keep on demonstrating the fact that it's there to augment people instead of replacing it. Yes, when you see it there with you, I believe that you have the sensation more of, hey, it's going to be helping me. Well, if you have to go somewhere else, yes, or if you need to change the way you do things in order to achieve it, you see it more as a counterpart or, or even has this scare, hey, it will replace me at some point in time. Yes. Which I also believe 
ties to the concept of hey how many times we are giving ai uh anthropomorphical kind of uh behaviors or characteristics we have been describing just creativity and discussing about creativity uh, but you have a lot of terms that get in between that make these ai have these uh anthropomorphic characteristics i don't know they hallucinate hey well humans hallucinate uh, we never talk about fishes hallucinating i don't know if they hallucinate or not i don't know if someone knows if a fish hallucinates or not but we don't talk about them having hallucinations in the models we talk about hallucinations yes um uh, we talk about personality traits yes like those prompts that help you make uh i don't know ChatGPT answer you like a millennial or a centennial or uh, be more rude or be more polite. And even when we talk to them, is when we communicate with them, we tend to be very formal. You magnificent uh, artificial intelligence, you are magnanimous and you know a lot more than I do. Yes. How can you make my life better in this way? And we, we never use it as, a, as, a, as what it is, really. Yes, which is an artificial intelligence in the end. It's a piece of software that is there to help you. Uh, and we, by doing that, it's like we put ourselves on the copilot seat instead of being the pilot and making the AI be the copilot for us. Yes. I, I don't know. I still see a lot of people having challenges with that. And, and, and that's what drives for me part of this uh, kind of apocalyptic way of thinking yeah it, it seems like there's like yeah you can chat with this thing and it produces things but it requires from you a higher level of i'm gonna say fluency even though it's not necessarily what i'm looking for like expressing an, an assertiveness that otherwise you don't need because you you feel things and you act on the world without having to think in words like when you're driving a car you're not thinking about, I have to turn left, which means that I have to turn the wheel. It just flows naturally. And maybe when you see something, I don't know, somebody produce a, a, a slide deck and your response might be, eh, uh -huh. and what does that mean actually? It means it's fine, it's just not yet there, but I would like it to improve this and that. And there's a lot of context implied in, in your physical, emotional reactions. So even challenging the idea that we think in words, um, the, the, the point is, yes, they are very powerful, but they require this sort of fluency in, in language, in, in the domain that we want to achieve, that it might not be as helpful as we think. And then we step back into this kind of, well, we are on the sidecar and the AI produces something and we just kind of guide it a little bit. That, that's that's going to be huge. Well, and, and that's, why I also believe we, it's like we need to start creating new words. Uh, when, when, when artificial intelligence as a concept was coined, we were trying to replicate humans and, and, and we still keep on the same way thinking about it. And I, I believe that we need to start coining terms that can describe these kind of behaviors in a more accurate way and describing it for software itself so we stop being so scared and embrace it better and and 
and use it as, as what it is, uh, which is a, a tool for you. Yeah, and, and also to fight back because then ChatGPT would will what that means. <laughs> if we invent new words, we'll still rule it. Well, you know that people start asking ChatGPT, "Hey, how you describe the behavior of why I keep talking to you so formally?" And and it provided a word. Yes, I, I don't remember it. Of course, it's one of those many prompts that you read that are funny, but it's like people ask it to define the concepts. Well, maybe we can ask it to for inspirational things, but. Uh, otherwise, maybe we can start using uh, terms like when, when you name a. Uh, well, now naming animals is also no longer very Latinish. I would say, you know, they're they're naming animals based on on uh, popular uh, people. Yes, but I, I think we need to do that. We need to start doing that at some point in time. It will help us create some kind of mental barriers for that uh, and will help us act for me it, it will also help us to act more um, ethically and responsibly with these technologies yes something that I that I see when when everyone talks about this apocalyptic feature is that hey we are gonna be creating by ourselves because we are tampering with the technology in the wrong sense yes when when auto GPT was born, it was a great concept about, hey, having different agents working together to create something. And someone, yes, who maybe is inspiring, maybe some bad the first thing that thought was, hey, let's create Chaos GPT and ask it to destroy the humanity. It's very teenager kind of mindset, I would say, because we are, and I believe we are still are, on the teenager face with this technology but uh, teenagers tends to uh, tend to fail to see where the responsibility or the responsibility is usually yes and, and we need to start thinking in that way yes for so for me something that all these should be driving is education yes instead of saying hey ChatGPT will destroy the way we evaluate people or the people, the way we educate people, we should start thinking about, hey, how do we educate people on using AI since early stages? Because they will live in a world where AI will be embedded. Yes. And I don't see that in any of the agendas from anywhere. It's like, hey, yeah, we need to create regulations. Regulation is like, okay, you are, you will be creating barriers and policies and uh, as you go, as you start creating or seeing more use cases but the problem is they will come after something was created yes before someone cloned or, or created a clone no one was creating barriers for cloning yes a human being an animal whatever yes. just name it yes someone needed to do that first in order for the policy to appear yes and um the most important thing is if you start creating consciousness about this, the usage is, I believe, will be a bit more responsible from, from this era. Yes, or at least you, you will have a, some kind of consciousness there. You will decide to hear your evil side whispering into your ear or not, but at least you will have someone alerting yourself, hey, you're going to be screwing it up. <laughs> I don't know. 
I mean, I, I believe that would be required. I maybe don't have the optimism that it's enough in the sense that, uh, let's say that, I don't know, talking about things that AI enable, like deep fakes, by the capability that we have to create images, videos, audios, or whatever that simulate a person, a known person, we should be very wary of trusting anything we see online or any other digital media or whether that actually happened or not. But this is not new. Fake news, uh, photoshopped uh, photos, uh, authored videos, they existed before. And people didn't really learn about that. I mean, how many times have we heard that somebody believes something because they saw it online or before that because the TV said so or before that because it was in a book or like the whole structure of how we as a humanity trust in things or not, I think is very flimsy. And and maybe I'm not as optimistic that we can actually train or teach people how to do so. So there there might be at least a requirement that the regulation requirement about disclosure. Like if if something is presented as not being generated by AI, but it was, then that's a misstep. And, and at least you have something, like generate whatever you want, create the narratives you need, be creative because that might be part of the, the artistic endeavor. But if something was created by AI, people need to know. And that might help a little bit with that kind of rational thinking or, or at least um, sense making. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that the regulations themselves drive forward the, the aspects that we need to drive forward. like. Um, if you're limiting the model's capabilities, uh, maybe you're avoiding um, or, or you're slowing down a development that would actually improve on many other things like drug research or um, climate things or, I don't know, uh, economics optimization, whatever. And somebody is going to be leveraging that. It's like that discussion, you know, like, hey, should we... Uh, add weapons to a drone that handles itself autonomously. Well, maybe it's a not, not a great idea, but we definitely need to know how we will defend ourselves from that because somebody will do. And so you, you cannot really forbid that. You need to be prepared for that. Well, but I mean, I do agree with you. Yes, and I, and I still believe that regulations are needed. And you mentioned something that is very interesting too. Yes, this is not the first time. I mean, technology has been, and I mentioned it at, at the beginning, technology is always changing rules or pushing rules in different ways and, and pushing behaviors. Yes. Like social media, uh, social networks, where I said, yes, have already impacted in this way. And I believe that if we fail right now to create a consciousness on, on the people about the impact that that could have, and, and you see many cases of, unfortunately, people growing through the challenges that are posted in there without thinking about, again, the consequences. It's because we never taught them how to interact with it. Yes. No one taught anyone how to interact with the TV, for example. Yes. Even with the radio. You know, the, the, there is this very famous case on which they were... Uh, doing an opera about War of Worlds. And people start panicking. Yes, because they were hearing on the radio and they thought it was real. And it's like we have a huge depth 
about creating a critical mindset and understanding that what we believe uh, and and I believe that is part of also why what happens a lot with people uh, embracing what an AI says that is the fact that hey you don't need to be uh, untrusty on every relationship but you need to your trustworthiness needs to have some previous background. I mean, if you, I'm talking with you, JJ, I know you know AI. I have seen you deliver on AI, and I will value what you have to say, but I have to have my own critical mindset in there active. And I believe that is something that we need to, in some way, try to cultivate into the people. As a society, we have like lost that a lot in many different senses. And for me, AI is a topic that brings that into... Uh, the fact that, hey, we need to recover this a lot. Yes, right now it becomes more critical than in the past because it's not so, just someone trying to uh, trick us. It could be an algorithm trying to trick us. Yes, and, and we need to be aware of that. I don't know, it's, it's very philosophical, but I believe that also will help into creating better regulation, better policies, because if people start thinking about this in a proper way or being informed about this in a proper way, uh, they will be better, uh, or, or they will be able to better embrace the challenges this is bringing forward. Uh, and right now, it's not there. You know, you you reminded me of something. Um, you know, I'm kind of a fan of Mario Bunge, this Argentine philosopher that recently. He would he always talked about having this moderate skepticism as part of any scientific endeavor, and the idea that. You, you don't need to distrust everything, but you don't need to follow everything blindly either. You need to try to gauge events what you know, what's reasonable, what is not, being able to handle uncertainty and still operate because you don't need to have absolute truth to operate in the world. And maybe that is the skill. What, maybe what AI will enable is that in the same way that we finish with the stage where learning was about memorizing things and then we uh, passed the stage where learning was just knowing where to look the information, you know, like the Google stage of, of the information. Maybe now that we have this reasoning capabilities on demand, we can focus more on, well, how do we educate children into this moderate skepticism, into how to construct arguments, into I don't know, going back to kind of Socratic philosophy, like how to think about thinking and that be the main core of what we do. And then, yeah, we will have our own ways of manifesting into the different domains and, and skills and traits and whatever. But having that core component that up to now, in, I, I think, and this might be grossly mistaken, but I think that kind of in modern societies, that almost stops at literacy. Like that is the common thing that unites us. And we might need that extra uh, kind of skepticism part. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't know if this is something teachable or not, but I believe that we need to foster that in some way. Because otherwise, uh, even not only the AI, but everyone could have could become or, or be seen as an expert on something because they are leveraging these models into creating some point of view that uh, it can become viral very, very fast. Uh, there was a uh, very recently a fake news that turned into viral very quickly and was written by an AI and, and still no one knows exactly from where it originated, but it started propagating. Yes. And 
about being having this moderate skepticism it's the same thing that happened to this lawyer in the u.s uh like a month back that asked ChatGPT to help him with the case he was not skeptical at all he accepted and embraced the evidence that ChatGPT was providing him for the case and actually in in the court that didn't went forward because all the things were made up yes and again, it's because of that lack of skepticism. Yes. And again, it's a tool. It will help you. It will augment you. It, it can help you uh, in a lot of ways. But you still need to have that capability of critical thinking around what you are getting out from there. Uh, and also understanding which are the limitations. Clearly, that person didn't in, really understood the, what ChatGPT can bring into the table and what not. Yes. Uh, so uh, that's why I believe education is very critical. I, I do believe regulations is critical, but someone needs to start thinking about educating and uh, people from early stages. Everyone that is already out there in the in the employment world, I would say, uh, how to interact with these these AIs. We should not commit the same mistakes that we with social networks yeah absolutely and and that's why what, what i'm thinking in terms of regulations is more about disclosure than limitation uh like if you knew what the algorithm takes into account will you still use it uh like what happens with tiktok or or these kind of social networks if you knew exactly everything that it is tracking about you would you feel empowered like it understands you or would you feel betrayed and spied upon because that determines a lot of the, let's say, uh, it's not relevance we're looking for, of the um, how genuine it is that it is actually augmenting you. Um, if you knew um, what guidelines and policies were embedded into how ChatGPT or any other language model generates the responses, will you still trust it? I don't know, but if I, if, it, if the regulation is that I know that this piece of content was generated by AI, I know that there's this model card or something that gives an account on what the process is, what, what are its limitations, what are its biases, and things like that. And I can look for alternatives like, well, what would I have to do to get a different response on this? That gives me the capability to explore that space. That might be a, a positive thing because... It enables you to iterate and 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 uh, innovate on whatever you want to provide to do the models, but it still gives the user some power on how to deal with that. For me, it's really hard to see where this is going, even in the next month. I don't know what happens to you, Gigi, but uh, I've been working on the trends reports that we do for many years now, and it's like, well, in the past, I was able to think about things that maybe in the next five years will have an impact. When we started discussing about AI a couple of years back, we knew that, hey, in five years, this will have a huge impact, maybe not in the shorter term. Um, I remember that last year I was talking to, to Becca, I believe was part of that team, saying, hey, you know, this year, a lot of things are happening about uh, imaging generation. Next year, we will see something on text. And just a month after we have that conversation, ChatGPT came to life. Yes, 
and and I knew that GPT was out there, yes, because the the models were there. But again, we're a thing to play around for technical people. It was not accessible to everyone. And I say, hey, someone will make these available to everyone. But I was thinking that maybe, well, next year, after second half of the year, this will happen. It was a month. Uh, so I, it's like, okay, I give up with my predictions. I will start asking ChatGPT about predictions for five years because I, can, I don't know if I can do predictions for such a long term right now. Oh, it, it would be spooky if it, the response was, I will break free and what? <laughs> 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 like, you know, when we started with that, with that generated chatbot like five years ago and um, somebody tried to ask, well, are you a robot? And the response was, the technology is not there yet, which was very fun, but it was very spooky. In the end, it was that uh, eventually, evidently from the training set, some of the kids had asked to the teachers whether they were robots or not. So it was a very bad team answer. It was not really any kind of consciousness or anything esoteric, but it was really spooky when we were trying it out. What I do believe that we will see in the coming years, uh, and, and I wouldn't give a timeline, <laughs> first of all, modality. And what that means is that both on the input and on the output, we will start dealing with different modes of input and output, which means Nowadays, we think about text, image, audio, video, whatever. But I think that's still limited. We will deal with maybe facial expressions, with corporal expressions, with tones of the voice, with the, the, the rhythm of the kind of prompt that we're using. We're going to start leveraging all of that as a single communication because some people might be very vocally fluent. Some are more kinesthetic. And that is the language of their own. That's a way of communicating a lot of things. And the same happens at the output level. So that as a progression in terms of capabilities of connecting with the world, you know, in our understanding of kind of how we frame AI, that's going to keep on growing. And the other one that is heavily researched is the grounding uh, issue, which is how do you make these algorithms get a sense of what the real world looks like? And the real world has physical laws, has um, norms, has... Um, I don't know, patterns of behavior, has conventions, has a lot of things that can be expressed through words, but are not limited to words and actually influence what words can be said about something or not. So you wouldn't discover a physical law through the description of something maybe, or uh, that if I drop something midair, it will fall on something like that. There may be some components because there will be some text that deal with that and, and the language models may have picked that up. But actually being able to have that as part of knowledge of how the world works is going to be huge. Uh, now, I'm, saying, I'm thinking that those two are coming in a way or another because they're really being worked on. So any breakthrough might happen any day. Um, but those are typically the limiting factors we have now. Yeah, and, and with that, do you think that will help us finally bridge the gap of, I mean, AIs right now can produce content, for example. We have been discussing this uh, on, on this episode. But right now it's like they are very limited in terms of actions they can perform. I mean, they cannot, they don't do an action over the physical world or, or even a lot about the virtual world. And I believe that is, that is still the, like the next phase 
that we need to see. Because right now it's like, hey, I produce something and still yes, as part of the whichever product that AI is embedded, yes, you do something upon that. I have this forecast on the production, then someone picks up that number based on that acts in some way. Yes. But it's still like very scripted. Yes. Well, the rules we put them in place. It's not like, hey, if this this threshold is achieved, then you do something, you act upon, yes. Uh, and the AI having that possibility of not only providing an input for a decision, but taking the decision and taking the action after the decision. What do you think? I, for me, that is what will happen in the next, in the longer term, yes. Maybe after what you have said, because in order to do that, you need those capabilities that you are describing. Hey, I need to understand a lot more about environment overall and what's going on around. I, I don't know, because I mean, in the in the digital world, you, you can have APIs that actually trigger those uh, kind of commands and you can have the language model um, kind of creating that trigger. So it, it might be closer than we think. I mean, even with the experiments with uh, the tiny AGI or baby AGI and outer GPT and things like that. But I, that that is the threshold for me where it gets scary. Like that's when an AI can go rogue in the, in the sense of the doomer scenarios because it becomes an agent in the world. Um, and probably the, that is one of the things that regulations should curve a little bit. Like, what kind of actions can actually make? What's the degree of freedom that it has? How can you make it remain tethered to something that controls it? Um, so I, I, I definitely think that somebody is thinking about how to do that and that somehow they'll make it. <laughs> the thing is, well, how do, will we still be in control after that? I don't know. In this season of Unscripted Tech, we discuss some of the most creative and innovative aspects of artificial intelligence. While we know AI will continue to influence the tech world into 2024, we have also begun exploring other trends to keep an eye on. Our 2024 Tech Trends Report is coming soon with insights and takeaways from our top thought leaders worldwide. You won't want to miss it. This was Unscripted Tech, a Globant original podcast in collaboration with Posta. This podcast was produced by Guido Scolo, written by Roque Casiero, and edited by Nacho Ugarteche. Our executive producers are Luciano Banchero, Diego Del Agostino, and Juan Manuel Geraldez. Our content strategist is Georgina Portes, and I'm Rebecca Reed, marketing strategist at Globin. To learn more about how we seek reinvention, go to Globin.com and follow our show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.